In just a moment, I, I may say something uh, about the fact that Jordan wrote that song. I didn't know he wrote it until I just asked him, but I, I, I'd never heard it before. And uh, you'll see that in, in, in Revelation 5. You'll, you'll see that in Revelation 5. You'll see it. It's pretty awesome. Look at Revelation 5 with me. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book. This book was written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Sounds like an important book, doesn't it? I mean, the seven seals here quickly are just signifying that the tribulation. Scripture refers to it as the time of Jacob's trouble. The tribulation is about to begin. And this book is very, very important. You'll see as we read through this chapter that this must have been a a very important book. And it is because it contains information concerning the coming judgment upon the earth. But even greater than that, the message is also about the, the judgment that will ultimately lead to the redemption of the earth. And that's where you and I come in. And so this was a very, very important book. The Bible says that he saw, John saw, a lot of scene going on here. He saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Remember, in this book, contains an important message. The rest of the book of Revelation, all of the things that John is going to see and share with us that that we now can know and be blessed by, our future is in this book. Who is worthy, this angel says, this strong angel says, to open this book. Verse 3. Couldn't find anybody. No man in heaven. No man in the earth. Neither under the earth was able to open the book. No man was worthy even to to look upon this book. And John begins to weep. I wept much, he says, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders says to John, Hey, John, John, weep not. Behold, The lion in the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Now, what I want to talk to you about over the next few moments is is not so much about prophecy. And really, that's what this sermon series has has not been about. I've tried to avoid uh, getting in a complete uh, discussion about prophecy. In fact, next week will probably be the the, the most prophecy-heavy message in, in the entire 10, 12-week series. We, what we've been trying to do is, is, is look at the book of Revelation as it is and then, and then make it relevant to where we are today, sitting in the pews at Gospel Life Baptist Church because the church is still here, church. We're still here. There's still a mission that God has us on. And we don't want to get so hunkered down and so discouraged and, and, and kind of wondering, when's this going to take place? No, there is still something for you and I to be doing in this lifetime. Revelation 5 has some of that laid out for us. And so I want to give you, first of all, four things concerning Jesus in Revelation chapter 5. And you'll see these four things very clear, beginning in verse number 6. Write the first one down, would you? Number one, Jesus is central. 
He is central in Revelation 5. Look, if you would, at verse number 6 and see that with me. The Bible says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne. You might, if you're in the habit of marking your scripture, go ahead and mark that in the midst. In the midst of the throne and of the four beasts. And in the midst, there it is again, right in the middle of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. Interesting, you don't see very many things that are slain standing. Most things that are slain are laid out and in pieces. I, driving down the road yesterday back from a ball game, and, and in the middle of the road was a, a deer that was slain. <laughs> a deer that was hit and falters and buzzers. It wasn't standing. It was, it was slain. It was down. But here the lamb is standing slain. This lamb has seven horns. These horns speak of his omnipotence, that he is, he is the totally conquering Savior. He was a lamb that was slain, but he's a lamb also that has conquered. Never has there been a lamb like this lamb. He has seven eyes that speak of his omniscience. He sees it all. He knows it all. There's nothing happening that God doesn't know about. We said last week, and we tried not to say it, in a, just a cliche way, God is on the throne and he's in control. And then it talks about these seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. He's referred to here as a lamb. You know, that's the most common biblical image for Christ, the Messiah, the sin bearer. That's really what the Lord's Supper is about. It's about a lamb that was slain. You remember John the Baptist, what he said as the, as the forerunner, if you will, of, of Jesus Christ himself before he, was, he laid his life down. John the Baptist prophesied that he would be the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sins of the world. And all of the Old Testament lambs were just a prefigure of what Christ would do. All of those lambs that were slain were all just symbolic of what was to come in, in this lamb. The lamb that was slain, the Bible says, from the what? Foundation of the world. This was always God's plan. J- Jordan sang about that in, in his song. If you, if you paid attention, you saw that one of the parts of the lyrics of the song were this was your plan. You came to fulfill your plan. It was always God's plan that Christ would give his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And now, he's in the midst. In the middle, in the midst. Keep that in mind. Jesus is central. Church, I can assure you, it's not the, it's not the, the streets of gold or the gates of pearl or anything else you've got imagined in your mind that what's going to make heaven great. Can I tell you what makes heaven great is Jesus is in the midst of it. He is central. He is in the midst of everything going on. All the beasts that are so amazing, the 24 elders that are 1,000 times 10,000, and all these different amazing things, in the midst of it all, all the attention is going to Jesus. That's why when we worship, all the attention goes to Jesus. It doesn't go to to the worship team or the band. It goes to Jesus. The songs are vertical. It's God. You are my God. Glorious. Victorious. You see? There's a big difference in singing songs to God than singing songs to each other. And so we come together because he is central here at Gospel Life. He's becoming more and more central. And 
My prayer is that as we continue to grow in our love for God and as we continue to build a biblical community that the most important thing about coming together on Sundays would be Jesus. Number two, I want you to see something else we see about Jesus in Revelation 5 is that he's worthy. He's central, but he's also worthy. Look at verse number 7. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Sat upon the throne. Only Jesus Christ, the conquering lamb, has the authority to open this book. This book, again, contains the message of justice from God. And who was worthy to open this book? Well, we go back to the first few verses we read, and there was no one that could be found that was worthy to open this book. Only Jesus Christ is what? Worthy. Jesus is worthy. He's central, but he's worthy. He's worthy to open the book. Only he has the authority to open the book that has all this incredible information in it. Think of the people in human history who have claimed authority over the earth. Can you think of some? Hitler? Hitler tried to claim authority over the earth. Caesar? Caesar tried to claim authority. There's been hundreds that have tried to claim Alexander the Great. But you know what they all have in common? They're dead. They're all dead. There is only one who is alive today who is, has authority over all the earth, and his name is Jesus. He's worthy. He is worthy. And very soon Jesus will step into and onto the world scene, and he will win this war. And, and, and the book contains the plan as to how that's all going to work out. Pretty cool, huh? Number three, Jesus is not only central and worthy, but noticed here he's worshipped. He's worshipped in Revelation 5 around this throne in the midst of heaven. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders. And I think these are very significant words, church, for us this morning. They fell down before the Lamb. We've talked about how important it is to understand that at times all you can do is just fall prostrate. Before his feet and worship. And they fall before the Lamb, having every one of them harps, golden vials full of odors, which are prayers of the saints. Notice here what pleases God. Notice what's mentioned here as they fall down and before the Lamb and, and begin to worship him. We're going to see this unfold. But, but notice what is important to God. Notice what it is here that pleases God. It's an aroma. It's an aroma described here that, that is in golden vials or bowls full of odors, something you can smell. What is this odor? What is it that pleases God's nostrils, if you will? It is the prayers of his saints. That really hit me this week. As I began to study and read that even more so, I began to realize just how important it is for Gospelite to be a church that prays. We're emphasizing more prayer time. We've got a prayer meeting now on Wednesday nights at 5 o'clock here. In, uh, excuse me, Saturday nights at 5 o'clock in the church. I've really been praying about a, a prayer gathering just for our people. Can I tell you the one thing that the devil beats me up over more than anything else when it comes to having some sort of a special prayer event is who will come? 
Will it be the faithful four? The faithful five? Will it be the faithful six or seven? Just the ones that... And yet, here in Revelation 5, the very thing that pleases God is our prayers. The odors, the incense of, of a prayer. Our prayers are an incense to God. Church, praying is not something we ought to just do as an afterthought. Prayer is not something we ought to just do to fill in. Yeah, that's a good spot to pray right there. Let, let's open, yeah, that, that, let's put prayer on the schedule there. Let's, let's, well, let's close in prayer because everybody closes in prayer. Hey, don't pray too long. Just, just a little prayer. And before long, it almost seems as if we have taken this thing that pleases God and that he says is an, an, an incense that he adores and we've made it some sort of little speech that we tag on to the end or the beginning of things. Why don't we just right now, in the midst of this message, could we just bow and offer some incense? Let's pray. Father, your people are here. We're here. We've gathered together on this Sunday morning service. It's our corporate gathering every week. And God, here we are. We've just observed, Lord, something that you told us to do until you come. We thank you, God, for your son Jesus who shed his blood, who offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins on the cross. And God, we want to thank you for that. God, we are overwhelmed that, Lord, those of us who have accepted his sacrifice as a covering for our sin, God, are going to spend an eternity in heaven. And Lord, we don't want to wait till we get there to worship you and thank you and praise you. So God, today we come. And we sing, we sing new songs, we worship you, God, we give you praise. I ask you, God, to burden the hearts of our people. Would you do that, God? Would you burden the hearts of our people, Lord, who are uncomfortable with prayer or potentially just are not seeing the great emphasis of prayer in Scripture and how important it is for us to pray? You have said that, God, there'll come a day when these bowls full of our prayers will be offered as an incense to you. And so, God, I want to fill up another one of those bowls this morning. God, I want to offer this incense of praise and prayer to you, God. I want to let you know that I love you. As was sung, I adore you. We love you. We adore you. You alone are worthy. And God, as we continue in this service, as we continue, God, may, may this point of this message be something that we take with us. And, and maybe some, at some point today, we gather as families, we gather as friends, we gather at a Super Bowl party or at a small group activity this afternoon and maybe before anything gets going we just stop and say let's let's pray together let's not get together just to watch a game let's let's pray let's ask god to work oh god do a work in our hearts and our midst in jesus name amen he is central he is worthy his worship jesus number four notice he is a conqueror he's a conqueror look at verse nine the Bible says here, and they sung a new song. Very interesting here. You know, music gets talked about a lot today in church culture. Would you agree? Everybody's got an opinion about music. And it's a big subject in church today, music. But here's what's really interesting. Some people like hymns. Some people like piano. Some people like guitars, right? 
Some people like trumpets. Some people like violins. Some folks like different instruments. But you know what's interesting about Jesus is he never really talked about liking those things. He never said, I like this particular song better or this instrument or I like, I like it when you play this or I like that piano. I, he never says that. The only thing that God tells us, there's one kind of song he likes. That's all. The only thing we know about God in music is he likes a, a new song. Nine times in Scripture he said, sing to me a new song. I wonder sometimes if God in heaven is saying, you know what, is there, you know, I've heard that for 200 years. Could you guys sing a new one? I'd like a new one. That's well, a good song, it's a, but, but you know, it's, it's old. Could, could you get a new one? And so what Jordan did this morning was Jordan sang a new song. A new song that God put on Jordan's heart. Jordan somewhere in the private time of his life, he said, God, I just want to talk to you in song. I want to write you some words. I want to sing them to you, God. And I want, to, I want you to know I love you. This is fresh on my heart. This isn't Wesley. This isn't something you could dig out of a songbook 200 years ago. No, God, this is coming straight out of my prayer closet. This is new, God. This is my generation. These are words I offer to you, God. It's a, it's a new song. And God says, I love new songs. I like songs that are brand new. Amen. God likes new songs. Songs from the heart. And here we see this song being sung again, verse number 9. He says, and he sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. By the way, what we have in common with all of these people, we don't, we don't talk about uh, anymore what we don't have in common. We thank God that we have a lot in common with every kindred of every tongue, of every people, of every nation that believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't discuss anymore these minor differences and things that really don't matter. We talk about, wow, isn't it awesome to be a part of the family of God? And we're not the only ones, amen. In verse 10, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, look at it, and we shall reign on the earth, amen. You talk about a conqueror, we are going to reign on the earth. Jesus is a conqueror. And one day we are going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. Now, let's bring this sermon out of heaven, out of the universe, and let's bring it to 600 Garland Street, February 1st, 2014, 1131. You ready? We're going to bring it right here. Because you know what? Jesus is central, and he is worthy, and he is worshipped, and he is conqueror in Revelation chapter 5. But I have a question for you today. Is he those things in your life right now? Is Jesus those things that I mentioned in Revelation chapter 5, is he those things in your life where you're living, where you sit right now? Number one, is Jesus Christ central to me? Is he central to me? You see, I can't make Jesus Christ central to you. I can't make Jesus Christ central to my family. I can't make Jesus Christ central to this church. 
The only place that I can make sure Jesus is central, number one, ruling and reigning is my life. It's the only place that I can constantly make sure is me. Look at verse 11 in our text. And I beheld. And I heard. John makes it personal. I beheld. I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And and the beast and the elders and the numbers of them were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Notice here, they've all gathered, again, round about the throne. Everything is focused on the throne, which is what? Central. Is Jesus central to me? Is he central in your home, number one? Is he central in your home? Is Jesus Christ in your home talked about? (laughs) Is he mentioned? Is he glorified in your home? I'm talking about, are we talking to God in our homes? Is the name of Jesus a popular name in our homes? Think about it. What are some ways that you and I can make Jesus central in our homes, dads? Is he central in your marriage? How is your husband and wife, your wife and husband, your spouse relationship, is, is, is he central in that relationship? Is he, is he glorified in your marriage? Do other people see the glory of God in your marriage? Do you pray together? Do you talk about what he means to you together? Is he central in your time? Does God get some of your time every week? Do you, do you give him a few hours during the week, some time maybe every morning in prayer, some time reading the scriptures, time going to small group? Time, do you get, give God some time? Is he central in your day? Even when you're not reading your Bible or praying, if you go to work for eight hours, is... Does Jesus just get left on the dash of your car? Or is he something you bring with you every day at work? Is he central in your finances? Is Jesus central in the money that he's entrusted you with? Number one, is Jesus central to me? Number two, is Jesus worthy to me? I know he's worthy. But is he worthy to me? Erica Pace, is he worthy to me? Look at verse 12. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So here is a Lamb who is worthy. And he is receiving things. He's receiving things. Someone is giving Jesus something. It's about time, amen? Because Jesus is really into giving. Would you not agree? John 3, 16. Did God not give his only son? Amen? Is, he, is God always giving? He's a giver, isn't he? I'm so happy for God right now. He is receiving something. He's worthy of that, isn't he? He's worthy to receive something. Most of the time he's giving, but, but here he's receiving, so let's see what he receives. Number one, he is worthy to receive power. Question, how much power do you have? How much power do you have? You you know, I, I do look at the power that I have, you know, my thimble into his ocean of power. I've got a little thimble of power. I've got a little influence. I've got a little power over my family. A little bit. A little authority. A little influence. I've got a little power. What you trust me with, it's very 
fragile and it's something that now we understand the importance of a plurality of leadership and elders and all of that is in place now and so much more biblical and better. But I will, I will say that I understand that God has given me a, a measure of, of authority here. And I have a, a, a little power, but, but I, know, I want you to know something. I want to give him that power. I want God to have all the power. I'm taking my little power and I'm giving it to him who deserves the power. Because he is all power. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. Whatever you think caused you to take that next breath, you're wrong. It's God. It's not your good health. It's not your health shakes. It's not your exercise. It is God Almighty that gave you the power to wake up this morning. Amen. Give him the power. Number two, is he worthy to receive riches? Now, does God need our riches? Really? Quick answer. No. We need to give more for ourselves, not because God necessarily needs our riches, but we need to give. Every Sunday when we have an opportunity to give in the offering here at Gospel Light, we need to be reminded that everything is His. It all belongs to Him. Everything we have, every benefit we have, materialistically or financially, is all His. Amen. That's a good spot to agree. Because he has given us all things. I have an illustration here that I do not have time to give. I wish I had time to give it, but I will tell you that, that you have one too. You have illustrations. I have an illustration here. It's, it's got a, some humorous parts to it, but ultimately what it leads to is an understanding. You've got one. Think about it. Use it this week. Why, where has God shown you that, that he deserves your riches? Because truly, he has been so good to us. Cannot give God. Give, and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, what? Running over. He is worthy to receive wisdom. He receives wisdom in that verse. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in this place, and there's a lot of wisdom in this church. God's given you wisdom, but can I encourage you to use that wisdom to advance God's kingdom? Take what God has taught you, and then use it to help others. Give Him your wisdom. He's worthy to receive strength, all of my energies. You know, I, I do a lot of speaking uh, around the country in teen camps. And this past week, we're organizing our big Gatlinburg Youth Conference, Teen Revolution. And, and uh, you know, I, I speak here at Gospel Light. And can I tell you one reason why I, I put a lot into these sermons? Because this is what God's called me to do. And I want God to get all my strength. I want to be really, really tired after this day is over. I do. I want to give him my strength. I want to give him everything I've got. See, I still believe there's nothing wrong with being a little tired after you serve Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. I like working hard for Jesus. I like giving my energy. You can have my strength, God. I, I'm not going to give my strength uh, to, 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 to the sports field and give it all I've got. Leave it all on the court, boys. I want to leave it all on the platform, amen, for Jesus. I like it when these guys praise with all their strength. Use their arms. Use their Use your strength. If you're going to use your strength to cheer, use your strength to praise. I like it when a drummer uses his strength. I like it when an electric guitar player uses I like Use your strength. Give it all you've got. He says to worship him with your hands. Worship him with your eyes. Worship him with your head. Worship him with your legs. Worship him. Use your strength. God, you're worthy to receive all my strength. He's worthy. He's worthy to receive honor and, and glory. Let's put those two together. That simply means this. Any recognition, 
any praise that we receive is to be reflected to him. Oh, man, that was, that was an awesome song. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, I kind of like it. I know I'm, I'm kind of weird. I like it when you see somebody play sports, and, and when they do something great, I like it when they point up. I know that may not, you know, that may not seem much to you, and I know these guys are playing football on Sunday, but look for the guys that point up. <laughs> and I know they're probably going to do a little dance when they point up, but forgive them. At least they pointed up. Amen. <laughs> Mr. Positive, right? I'm always looking for something positive. <laughs> and, and all I'm saying is that I, I really think that we ought to be conscious of the fact that we're not receiving the glory and honor. He's worthy to receive the glory and honor. He's worthy to receive blessings, it says. Words of praise. He is so worthy. There is no amount of praise that we could give that would be enough. There's no amount of praise. You say, preacher, you know, I really, I really praised him today in church. I really worshipped him today. I, I did. I, I felt liberty today in church. I did. I'm preacher, I know what you're talking about. I'm really starting to feel like I can come to church, and it's not embarrassing to praise the Lord. He's worthy. He is worthy. But there's no amount of praise you can do that will be enough. There's not enough, Chet. Can't do enough. Can't do enough. We can't praise him enough. We, can't, we cannot thank him enough. There, we could spend an eternity thanking him and it wouldn't be enough. Would you agree? He's so worthy. Is Jesus Christ receiving all your power, all your riches, all your wisdom, all your strength, all your honor, all your glory, all your blessing? Number three, is Jesus worshipped by me? We're about finished here. Look at verse 13. Is he worshipped by me? And every creature, every creature which is in heaven. Let me ask you something. Are you a creature? Yes. Amen. Every creature in heaven. If you are saved, you're going where? To heaven. Okay, let me tell you what John saw. He saw you. Uh Uh-huh. Because, see, you're there by now. You're in this gathering. Are you with me? Does this get you a little bit excited? You're there. You, you're, you're in this gathering. If you are truly a Christian, if you, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you're in this gathering. So every creature which is in heaven, that's us, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Let me ask you this. Is your worship for Jesus going up, or is it going down? Is your worship for Jesus getting better or is it getting less? Is your worship for Jesus getting louder or is it getting quieter? Is your worship for Jesus getting clearer or is it getting, eh, I don't know. Jesus is not a phase I'm going through. He is not a part of my life. He is my life. Jesus is not some little passing thing that's happening to me. Oh, Eric, boy, look at Brother Eric. He sure is excited these days. No, no, this is my life. He is my life. I love him with all of my heart. I want to love him like I should love him. And so guess what I'm doing right now, church? I'm getting ready to worship him forever while I'm here on earth. I'm just getting ready. Do you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength? Do you love him with all of that stuff? Because let me tell you something about heaven. When you get to heaven, you're going to full out worship. Everybody in heaven is going to worship 100%. It's not going to be like, look at over there. They're just... They're just kind of like, they don't care. No, that ain't happening. There ain't nobody in heaven just standing around like this. Nobody. 
Nobody. There's nobody that's going to sing, God, you are my God, glorious, victorious, like this, with their cell phone texting. It ain't happening. It's not happening, church. When you get to heaven, if you're going, you're going to worship full on. You won't have a choice. Elijah, that's what's so beautiful about right now is we have a choice. Won't have a choice then. We're going to worship all out. Right now, I can choose to worship. That's kind of cool, isn't it? It's kind of a benefit of being saved and living on this earth is I can say, God, I know I'm not in heaven yet. <laughs> and I know when I get to heaven, it's, it's everybody, every creature around the throne, every single one's going to worship. But God, down here, I'm going to go ahead and choose to worship. <laughs> I'm going to offer you all of my praise, all of my strength, with all of my mind, with all everything I've got. Because you are worthy to be worshipped by, by me. By me. And then number four, is Jesus a conqueror to you? Is he a conqueror to me? Look at verse 14 and we're done. And the four beasts said, oh, listen. Say it with me. You ready? See the word? And the four beasts said... That was the lamest amen. I promise you, the four, the four beasts did better than that. All right, now, okay, I, I, you know, I, I know Marshawn Lynch is called the beast mode, okay? Let's be beast mode right now, okay? Ready for beast mode? All right, here we go. You ready? Beast mode. And, and the four beasts said? Beast mode. Right there, baby. That was good. Now, when the four beasts said, amen, amen. Here's what they said. End of story. As it should be. He's worthy. End of story. He's the conqueror. He's the king. It's all going to work out. He is king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. So be it. End of story. Hallelujah. All she wrote. He's got this under control. We're good. It's all good. Jesus is not in heaven saying, I don't know if this is going to work out. What do you think, Gabriel? You think we're going to be okay? I'm just nervous. I mean, it looks like Brother Eric's kind of doubting me. I'm just concerned. Why is Eric doubting me? Eric, no! God in heaven is not nervous at all. He's in control. He loves me in spite of the fact that sometimes I don't love him. He cares for me in spite of the fact that sometimes I ignore him. God is in control. He knows what's going on. And one day the four and twenty beasts and you and I around that throne are going to say, Amen. End of story. So I got a question for you right now in 2014, 15, excuse me, February 1st. Listen, has he conquered worry? Or is that pill still working? Has he conquered anger? Or are you just an angry person? Man, I just... Preacher? People just make me so mad. Wait a minute. Is he conqueror to you? He can take that anger and remove it. He can make you a peaceful, loving, patient person. Hey, Dad, you don't have to lose your temper anymore. God wants to conquer that. Because the Bible says, provoke not your children to wrath. You don't have to lose it. You can stay under control. I don't understand. He wants to conquer that in you. Has he conquered selfishness? Has Jesus conquered pride? You see, here's the deal, church. 
He is the conqueror of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords. But you know what else he is? He's conqueror over me. He's conqueror over me. Is he worthy to you? Is he central to you? Is he worshipped by you? Is he conquered in you? Let's bow our heads, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed.